This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. The Canterbury Socialist Society recently held their last public talk of the year at Space Academy. It was called Cloud Chasing, the Vaporous World of Modern Technology, and is presented by Sam Hope who explores the increasingly obscure worlds of data, the internet, and computing technologies. Kia ora. thanks again for Space Academy uh, for hosting us. Um, so this talk, um, well first off I'll just, so I'll introduce myself, my name's Sam Hope, uh, I'm a CSS member, have been since the early days, um, which is coming up nearly five years, um, and have kind of been involved um, somewhat in technology, I suppose, from a, um, I, I wouldn't describe myself as a technologist by any means, um, I've, but I do have an interest in the kind of functions and the, the kind of mechanics of technology uh, as much as more the social side of things. So I did, um, for a couple of years, I worked in the, what's called the Digital Humanities Department at UC, which um, for anyone that's not familiar with the digital humanities, it's basically arts colleges trying to get extra funding um, from the STEM, <laughs> the STEM fields, um, uh, which is interesting in itself and it kind of um, in, that, in the work that I was doing there, we worked often with open source technology. Um, so we did, we were involved in the maintenance and the building of the seismic earthquake archive so this is a digital archive which was um, gathering and, and preserving all the material from around the time of the earthquakes um, and all of that was based on open source technology um, that was what we called a federated archive drawing on lots of different um, uh, lots of different collections like the libraries and and to Papa and so on so um, I, I kind of encountered technology, the open source technology, through my role there. Um, had a bit of experience kind of mucking around with code. I wouldn't say that I can, I'm a web programmer by any means or can code particularly well. Um, but I think, well, one thing I did learn is, like probably most programmers, um, you can, so long as you have what's called open stack, open on one window, you can kind of, uh, you can kind of fudge your way through it. So. It's just a case of that was kind of one of one of my intros into the actual technical side of of working um, with software and programming, um, and then later I've, I got involved at uh, stats and did a little bit of statistical stuff there. But I'm not a data science. I'm not a web programmer. I do maintain the CSS website. I won't say it's a shining example of <laughs> web design, but it is somewhat functional. Um, and I think more and more that I reflect on, I'm probably more of a kind of tech-aware Luddite. I quite consciously don't use a lot of tech stuff, and I kind of observe it from a distance. Um, so that's a wee bit of a disclaimer to say that I'm actually some of the stuff, there's probably a lot of people in the audience here I know for sure that are really up to speed with stuff, have uh, very much um, embedded in this world. So I'd really love to have a bit of a discussion afterwards around that and, and for you to kind of um, to contribute some thoughts there and, and, and this is basically, the aim of this talk is to open up the discussion around technology, computing and the internet and what it means to socialists. Um, so 
title initially was a, a bit of a joke to Tom, um, just sort of a messenger. Um, for anyone that doesn't know what cloud chasing is, it's, uh, it's somewhat dated, I think. It, it dates, like it's more a, a trend from the 2015, 2016 time, but um, going back to that Luddite comment. Um, but it's basically people who, who take part in competitive vaping. Um, they, 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 they have what they call vape mods, which are these souped up vape devices um, with, with extra glycerol in the juice and um, blow sick clouds. Um, so, and, and it's really, you know, it's quite a it's sort of a bit of a subculture, it's aligned with gaming culture. But I thought it was kind of a kind of a funny pun, um, and a little bit of you know it kind of, it, for me it resonates a bit with our current relationship with technology. It's somewhat of a kind of pointless, frivolous activity, um, but also we don't really understand the health implications of it. I'm told <laughs> that um, vaping uh, glycol turns into um, formaldehyde, so I don't know what what we're going to see there. But it doesn't sound like sound sound good. So I think. Um, there's also the environmental impacts of vaping as well, which we're starting to see. You know, they've, uh, there's a real trend in disposable vapes, I'm told. So, um, yeah, I thought there was a bit of a funny pun there, as well as this, the sense of um, utopianism, uh, which I'll touch on briefly. Uh, this idea that that um, the cloud, the, that technology is this nebulous, amorphous thing, and that we're Consciously, uh, constantly searching uh, for new horizons um, in technology, and there's never really a language that clearly articulates it. There's no one metaphor that we have for the internet and web technology. Um, there's a quote from uh, a, a critic and, and Marxist, uh, Ben Tarnoff, and he says, around the internet, that uh, the internet escapes the frame. It is, there's no a single metaphor that can capture it, although we often find this, the term of the cloud coming up quite a bit, and there are it does date back to um, some of the early early formulations of computational thinking. Um, a lot of a lot of computational thinking has its origins in weather systems and, and meteorology and, and prediction. So it's, it's quite a quite a nice metaphor, I think. Um, uh, so. So again, this talk is, is, is looking at some, what I consider um, as being some of the elements of the infrastructure that we should be thinking about as socialists. So it's a, there's, there's a sense of demystifying. Um, again, I'm not the technical expert, so I'd defer to, to those in the room that, that are really embedded in this. But um, it's also looking at some of the issues uh, with the internet as it currently exists and some of the future visions that have been put forward. Um, so, with that said, um, I'd like to just come back to the, the kind of figure of the cloud as has been um, commented on by James Bridle, who's, who's written this um, quite uh, useful book to give that's, that kind of traces um, the metaphors that we use around the internet and its various material uh, connections. And so, so uh, James says, today the cloud is the central metaphor of the internet, a global system of great power and energy that nevertheless, nevertheless retains the aura of something numinal and numinous. 
something almost impossible to grasp. We connect to the cloud, we work in it, we store it and we retrieve from it. Uh, we store and we retrieve from it. We think through it, we pay for it and only notice it when it breaks. It is something we experience all the time without re really understanding what it is or how it works. It is something we are training ourselves to rely upon with only the haziest notions about what is being entrusted and what is being entrusted to. So I think probably um, many people can uh, sort of relate to that um, sense of only knowing it when it breaks. Um, there's this, there we, we often think that the internet is this magical thing that it just exists out there and it's not until those moments of, um, of, of a rupture that, that we actually consider um, it as a material, material thing. Um, uh, as we kind of experienced earlier here when, when our tech didn't work. Um, so, um, as I say, I, I was exposed to some of these ideas, I think, through my work um, in digital humanities, in particular looking at open source technology. Um, and one of the, the interesting things I found with um, open source technology, which for those who aren't familiar, is, is basically um, the principle of of taking code and making it freely available to others, um, hosting it on some freely accessible platform and allowing others to then take that code and, and reform and reshape it and do whatever they like with it. Um, but what I started to appreciate is that open source does not necessarily mean free. There are lots of different forms of open source um, and many of the models actually look quite similar to corporate um, technology, a service-based model where, um, yes, the code is freely available, it's made open source and it can be um, reformed and remixed and repackaged, but you, you have to pay for someone to actually maintain and uh, develop it. So um, th these are some of the, the contradictions and constraints that I was experiencing in that space. And, um, and then moving into uh, the public sector and working in um, public agencies found that more on the corporate end of things, on the corporate end of technology, a lot of these government agencies are entrusting their data to the likes of big tech giants like Microsoft um, and we find ourselves using you know, MS Teams, the chat functions um, daily, but, but what happens when um, you know, it gets OIA'd. What does that mean for transparency and democracy? Um, and the, the other kind of question, or the other experience that I had in working, working with that kind of technology is um, the sense of the social mediaization of, of workplace communications. Um, you know, our, our workplace interactions become more and more the kind of sharing of, of GIFs and um, likes and emoticons and um, it's basically a, a kind of corporate enclosure or takeover of that space, um, and it really, it really imprints um, what communications look like in a in a kind of organisational context. Um, and my sense um, that I had in using some of this technology is is uh, I was uneasy with with blindly. Um, uh, accessing, accessing these systems, um, 
without really understanding how the various networks and protocols behind them operate. Um, because the internet has shifted uh, quite significantly over the last few decades. Um, some of you may have heard of the kind of trend of Web.1 versus Web.2 versus Web.3. We're currently at Web.2, um, uh, shifting towards Web.3, and Web.2 represents a kind of distributed internet architecture where previously the internet was based on uh, quite static documents, HTML pages being uh, sent through internet protocol um, just from one system to another. Now we have whole computational systems that are networked to one another through, through what are called uh, APIs or application programming interfaces. So it's moved from a, the static uh, network system to a much more dynamic system. Um, and that distributed model has lent itself to all sorts of uh, interesting practices in terms of, as I mentioned earlier, the servicing, uh, the servicing of this technology. By splitting it up in the, into these different component parts, we have, um, we have a subscription model when it comes to you know, your cloud storage or your what they call compute um, resource. Um, it's very much broken up and spread across um, uh, different services. And the other thing that I, felt I feel constantly uneasy about is, is understanding that there is an immense amount of hidden labor that goes into producing this code um, and the infrastructure that undergirds the internet um, and just computational systems more broadly. So the internet is, is not just this vaporous um, ether, it's not just a cloud elsewhere, it does have a physical body and it does have a physical presence. Um, and uh, one, of the, one of the most, um, uh, so, so programmers, it's built out of programmers, data engineers, computer scientists and um, various, uh, various tech workers that are basically constructing, constructing this architecture. Um, so we are currently at um, a bit of a juncture when it comes to the development of the internet. Um, many of you may have heard of the term techlash. Uh, this is this is a it kind of arose in 2015 and has been um, was coined by coined by um, the the economist um, and it basically it basically speaks to a recognition that the internet is broken as it currently stands and that um, and that the tech industry um, is is a is, a, is, is just as exploitative and environmentally impacted and uh, uh, damaging as some, some more traditional industries. Um, so you all may have heard of you know, the use of um, you know, water that it takes to, to cool some of these massive data centers um, all around the globe, um, not to mention the kind of impact on the, the, the physical landscape. Um, uh, the, 
again, this is part of that that network, this distributed network, and the kind of uh, uh, material infrastructure that the internet relies on. Um, so, the TechLash stand uh, speaks to a recognition that the internet is fundamentally broken and it's. Uh, driven by large corporate um, entities. Uh, a lot of the commentary around it is, is based on a kind of anti-monopoly narrative. Um, so there's a recognition that from the early days of the internet where we had these small communities, much more hobbyist um, and much more kind of grassroots, um, sharing documents, sharing HTML websites, building their own Yahoo Cities uh, kind of um, HTML web pages. Um, that the shift from that to to uh, the platformed um, internet has been um, recognized as a as a real problem. And and as we move into the future visions of the internet, um, one of which being the metaverse, we we find ourselves at a another juncture where we are at risk of the corporate capture again of um, the internet. Um, so, the, <laughs> yeah, H and M in the metaverse. Um, I don't think the the garments would be any less synthetic. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Left, the left and the socialists don't really have a future vision of the internet. Um, and I think at this particular juncture, at the tech clash, the understanding that we are facing uh, broadly a sense of um, public uh, resistance to, to the way that the internet is currently structured, we have a role in, in coming in and thinking and redesigning what the internet may be. Um, so I think this does require some te technical knowledge, um, but also we need to think about different kind of relations of production um, within that. So how, the challenge being, how do we actually socialize a capitalist technology? Um, what are some of the, the potentials there? Um, so, as I suggest, the, the internet currently functions as, as a platformed corporate enclosure. It, it's an online mall. If any of you find yourself using um, various, the various social media sites, they basically become um, unusable. They are very contained. Um, it feels like once you're locked into a particular, uh, particular platform, it's it's uh, there's no there's no way out, um, and we find ourselves continually returning to these to these platforms, and uh, mindlessly interacting with them, and and this is the this is the way that um, the current form of the internet extracts value. Um, so it's less from labour, more from the online activity and interactions we have um, on these various platforms. Um, they are essentially value capture devices that, that feed off online activity. And 
and we're in a in a era in which data is seen to be more valuable than gold, uh, but no one really knows why. Um, so we we're we're stuck in this what I would call a, a kind of cybernetic loop um, where where our data is being constantly uh, skimmed off the top and then um, pushed back into the system um, to to uh, to kind of drive our consumption in both virtual and real spaces. Um, so, again, the internet is not simply something out there. It has an infrastructure. It has a set of material networks. Um, I don't know if you can see that all too well on here, but this is a this is a map of the submarine communications cables that make up the internet. Um, these are increasingly privatised um, networks. Um, it's quite interesting if you look at some of the lines of these, these this cabling. It actually follows a lot of the original trade routes, um, colonial trade routes. Um, so you can see exactly where the lines of power um, kind of return. Um, and and. Reports as from 2015, 2016 show that you know the, the likes of these big tech giants are increasingly investing in the the submarine um, cabling infrastructure. Um, so, as many of you would experience, we we have a kind of we're existing in a state of, of fragmented online communities um, where where a lot of the division is is algorithmically driven. Um, uh, I had a colleague just mention earlier today that they experienced, um, you know, being in leftist liberal circles in Facebook. Um, they found increasingly that they're getting a lot of anti Jacinda uh, content uh, sort of pumped into their particular feed. Um, and there's all sorts of um, anecdotes that would would speak to that same experience. Um, but the one of the concerns is that the increasing uh, public uh, uh, reliance on these systems in order to operate. So a lot of the institutions or um, any sort of medium or large-scale institution require, requires cloud-based IT technology in order to function because of its ability to be scalable and because it because it's um, not just that centralized um, system where you have a kind of server room and, and data centers on site, but it's a decentralized distributed network of these different um, these different uh, component parts. Um, so one of the one of the key and persisting elements of the technology discourse today emerges from um, the, the, the kind of 90s uh, with the California ideology. So this is uh, a quote, uh, this was actually an essay by Richard Barbrook and Andy Cameron from 1995 where they articulated this, um, this new type of uh, uh, technologist who was blending uh, the different the different um, 
the progressive utopian, techno-utopian um, ideals along with the kind of freewheeling, hippie, um, hippie uh, sensibilities. So um, as, as Barbara and Cameron say, this new faith has emerged from a bizarre fusion of the cultural bohemianism of San Francisco with high-tech industries of Silicon Valley. The Californian ide ideology promiscuously combines the freewheeling spirit of the hippies and the entrepreneurial zeal of the yuppies. Um, so I think one of, one of the, the, the key issues here is um, we have this persisting um, experience of technology as being utopian, always progressive, um, always providing a kind of new solution um, for society's various problems. Um, and uh, the reality of what we're seeing is, is much more uh, hidden and insidious forms of alienation and exploitation. Um, so when we talk about uh, AI um, in the, the current form, in many cases the AI is, is very much not computational. It is reliant on um, what I would call kind of the grooming of the data sets by, by in many cases, migrant workers or those in the global south. Um, so all the, all the search results that you um, pull up on your, your Google searches are ranked um, through human labor, human effort. Um, it is not simply the algorithm feeding back into itself and, and producing uh, the perfect um, response to your question of, um, I don't know why, usually the, the Dr. Google questions. Um, so, and also we've, we've experienced, we would all um, have, have witnessed the kind of the exploitation and, and the, uh, the lack, of, lack of regulation when it comes to rideshare and, and food delivery platforms, um, which are fueling precarity and, and blurring the lines of work and life, um, basically atomizing workers in such a way that they can't organize or see themselves as, as workers. And all this is driven by a belief, I think, which, which um, speaks again to this, this freewheeling uh, uh, spirit of the Californian ideologists that that um, the internet is, is giving us personal freedoms and um, a level of individuality and, and do, uh, democracy that we've never had before. But in reality, we are, we are um, giving up our, our control. Um, we have very little to say about the, uh, very little say in the, the governing, the design, or the function of these online spaces. Um, uh, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, Facebook and Instagram are becoming increasingly unusable, but we find ourselves returning to it again and again. Um, so one of the, the ongoing, uh, one of the recurring trends that, uh, tropes that we see within the, the technological discourses is the idea of community and the idea that uh, technology and the internet enables community. 
Um, so the, the critic James, James Muldoon talks about this as community washing. Um, it's, it's luring people um, into these discourses and the promises that there will be new communities developed, new social bonds, new social ties. Um, and that was, I suppose, the case. That was um, true in the early phases of the internet. There were lots of forums and um, chat boards and, and email groups that did provide a new form of community that we hadn't seen before. Um, but we're, we're seeing much more, again, alienated and atomized forms of community um, take place within the current uh, internet. Um, so when it comes to the tech industry and those who actually build this technology, there's, there's very little, because of the sense of, of working in these distributed, uh, working with these distributed architectures, working across uh, different interconnected systems, uh, working remotely and working in, in quite, um, quite individual um, workplaces, it's very difficult for, for the workforce to see themselves as workers and to, to actually organise. But we have seen um, in, recent, in recent years uh, a greater, um, a bit of a groundswell when it comes to tech workers um, organising and resisting and seeing um, potentials for, for unionising. Um, this is in response to, to greater and new forms of surveillance, tracking and control. Um, the, a lot of the project management tools that these tech workers use today um, will, will track every single minute of, of work and there's um, game, a, a real gamified experience of, of being um, a worker in these, under these conditions. Um, we're probably more familiar with the, the images of um, Amazon warehouse workers um, and, and their struggles, um, the, the kind of panoptic tracking of, of their interactions and um, in particular those, the, the pickers who go about um, with these GPS-directed devices telling them exactly where to go. Um, and, and in any de deviation from the path is, is kind of the programmed route is deemed to be a transgression. Um, so this is something that's becoming much more a part of the public discourse. Uh, the, the challenge being though, however, I mean, if we are to f resist these tech giants and these, these large um, uh, global interconnected distribu uh, distributed forms of the internet infrastructure, we, we need the economies of scale. We need large amounts of capital, power and influence. Um, and, and we need to, to be able to, um, to do that on a scale that we, we haven't seen um, currently. Uh, and I think some of the, when we talk about uh, the socialization of the internet, um, the public control of the internet, 
um, that a lot of us don't know where to start because we haven't seen the internet as this material um, infrastructure. But these are the discussions we need to start having. Um, and I think it's, it's not enough just to teach kids to code. Um, these explainer videos on, on the internet um, are really, um, you know, not giving people the full understanding that they need of technology. Um, that it's not equipping people to critically engage with, but only to repeat and um, and and regurgitate um, regurgitate um, the discourses. Um, I also don't think it's it's the transitioning of of workers from traditional industries into the tech industry is a solution either. Um, I think we need to move beyond these sorts of discourses. Um, so there are some interesting um, kind of responses to, to uh, from a kind of leftist socialist position to the current um, internet infrastructure. Um, James Muldoon talks of a, a platform socialism. So this is uh, an internet partly based on our current um, form, uh, the Web2 form of having these distributed architectures, these uh, platforms that interact with each other through uh, APIs. Um, he talks of, of a more publicly owned infrastructure that would be governed municipally and, and would be controlled by, by workers. Um, and has uses as an example some of the a kind of a, a worker-owned uh, rideshare app, which is uh, governed and administered by a municipality. Um, so there are some interesting kind of uh, suggestions that that could be achieved potentially in the interim. Um, I think we, we, we need to continue to, to share the code bases, um, to op be open source, share, share, um, da, uh, share the, the code in common. Um, that will be a key to building, building these sorts of uh, more socialized uh, platform. Um, but we need to be wary of the ways in which open source technology is, is being leveraged by large tech companies. Um, a lot of the work that gets done open source um, does find its way into proprietary software. Um, and so, so one of so so that's that's something we need to we need to bear in mind um, when uh, people talk about open source technology. Um, and and we need to move to to a. Um, to a position where, where people working in the tech industry actually see themselves as builders of, building workers of the internet, essentially. Um, so not just uh, knowledge workers, but people who are, have, a say, have a hand in um, constructing, um, constructing this massive uh, communication system. So as I, as I mentioned earlier, we have seen uh, much more consciousness around um, the tech workers, uh, a lot more action and, 
and unionising of tech workers. Um, I believe we have a, uh, the beginnings of a tech worker union here in Aotearoa. Um, and, and these are the kind of institutions that we need to be um, looking at uh, supporting. We've also seen a, a lot more cynicism around uh, the, the future visions of the internet, um, the metaverses, uh, the, the kind of blockchain-driven uh, uh, Web3, and, and the, the crypto uh, uh, Ponzi schemes. So I would, on that note, I would um, encourage everyone to have a look at um, Brad Trammell's uh, NFT report, who uh, Nick mentioned earlier. Um, there's a lot of discussion around um, artists, art workers, uh, and, and the, the metaverse and, and uh, blockchain. And, and Brad Trammell gives a really good summary of, of how that's, um, that is, is currently operating. Um, and I think we also need to take uh, the, the conversation from uh, these platforms into real space and into face-to-face -face gatherings. So I think uh, a blended model of, of um, using the web to initiate and to promote um, new communities, but also ensuring that those communities meet in real space and do things um, together in real space. I think that's, that's going to be a really key, um, a key part of our overcoming some of these, some of these issues. And obviously I see the, the socialist societies um, doing a bit of work there. Um, so there does need to be some further investigation into applications of, of some of the new technology, in particular blockchain. Uh, blockchain being basically a, 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 a method of, of creating smart contracts or um, uh, digital contracts between, between users. Um, one of the, there are some out there, there's a, 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 a podcaster um, called The Blockchain Socialist who's exploring some of these potentials. Um, some of them actually kind of hark back to uh, what was an, an early form of, of the Soviet internet, which never really took off by, um, it was uh, in the, 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 the 80s, the uh, Soviet computer scientist Viktor Glushkov um, had an idea for the internet, which would basically be used as an as a, um, a economic planning tool, as well as a way of reporting and, and feeding back um, uh, the various economic uh, economic activities. Um, so there are the likes of um, the blockchain socialists looking at some of these potential applications. Um, and again, the, the administration of a publicly owned internet, what would that look like? Um, at what levels would this be administrated and governed? How would it be regulated? And how would we ensure that there is worker control? Um, these are, these are some of the questions that we need to be looking at as a society. Um, and I don't think we all have to be technical experts, but um, 
it helps, and I'd like to to see see us get to a position where um, we're able to contribute to these discussions, even when we don't have that full grasp of of exactly how the technology functions. Um, and again, the cloud is much more tangible than we think it is. It's um, it's something that we can we we can see once we uh, we look for it. We we need to unearth um, and and look through um, the these metaphors that speak to a a kind of um, a boundless internet. Um, uh, we need to expose the structures and the networks of labour, um, and we need to to really look at how we are interacting with this technology. So um, I'll leave it there. I've got a five-minute um, wrap-up, so uh, I think we can either we can go to questions or we can we can um, have a break and come back to it. But um, thank you all um, for for coming tonight and. <laughs> <laughs> and happy to take any questions happy to have a bit of a discussion um, happy to, to kind of talk about uh, any of these other resources that you may be interested in Kia ora. thank you